Hello everyone, my name is Justin Morris. I'm a gratefully recovered alcoholic. I uh, always say that I'm sober of a God I didn't believe in, a program I didn't think would work for me, and people who I first didn't like, so, uh, you know, what do I know, eh? Like, I obviously don't know what's good for me. Um, I'd like to thank the committee for asking us to, to come up here and share. I can only assume they needed a bunch of uh, local speakers to keep costs down, so... Uh, but, but, but I could be wrong. If one thing I've learned in sobriety is not to uh, trust the thoughts in my head, you know. Uh, my perception of reality has been known to get off. Um, you know, this is uh, a lot of work that goes into this. You know, you start this in January and it seems like it's so far away and then the closer you get, the stress of are you going to sell enough tickets and then the criticism of the ticket prices, the location, the weather, the food, everything comes together, you know, and uh, it, it always amazes me that, that a bunch of alcoholics that couldn't manage their own lives, you know, come together and they get to put on a wonderful event like this. So, uh, around the bus, I uh, listened to a bunch of speaker tapes in preparation for this. I was going to pass off their knowledge as mine, but I, uh, I forgot to write it all down, so you're going to be stuck with it. So everyone in my muddled little brain here. Um, you always ask people for advice, or I do when you do something like this, and you always get something different, eh? So I, uh, I, I, I actually did something that I'd never done before. I, I practiced my speech, and I wrote it down, and... I timed it, and it took me forever. I'm like, oh my God, that was like 45 minutes. Like, I look at my timer, nine minutes. So, <laughs> you won't be stuck with me for very long, that's for sure. Um, yeah, my, my sobriety date is September the 27th, 2013. Uh, my home group is DJF. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I make it. Yeah, a couple of days, it might be 10, might be 10 years. So. Um, my uh, home group is the Living Sober Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. We meet uh, every Friday at, at 8 o'clock at the Green Building. Uh, we, we'd love to see anybody here in town and you want to come check out a meeting, we, we'd love to see you. Uh, the good news is we're uh, right next to the highway and the airport, so if you don't like our meeting, you're, you're free to just get out of town real quick. You know? <laughs> Um, you know, I, uh, I don't really know where to start, you know, uh, all my life, I, I didn't know what an alcoholic was, and I didn't know what an alcoholic wasn't, you know, I, uh, I thought it was the outside stuff, you know, I remember my first treatment center, and, and I thought alcoholism was always the crazy crap you did, you know, like that. You know, the first treatment center, there, there were some rough characters there, and I, I thought I had to do prison, I thought I had to, um, I thought I had to use houses, wives, pensions, you know, I, I thought it was the outside stuff. It wasn't until uh, later on in my sobriety journey, you know, it's, it's the internal dilemma, the internal conflict, you know. All my life I had this just intense, intense discomfort, like I just, just uncomfortable in my own skin, you know, even around people that love me, you know, my family, you know, I remember going to family outings, I just want to crawl up in a hole inside myself and, 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 just, and just, just hide, you know. I, um, I, I didn't know matter where I was, 
I, I thought there was somewhere else better to be, you know, like I was hanging around this that group of two, you know, and I was at this party, that party would be better, you know. I was just never comfortable with where I was. Uh, my first drink, I was, uh, I came from a loving home. That my, my train of thoughts all over the place, so I just have to bear with me here. My, uh, I had to write Cole's notes down because I just know how my brain works. I've been living with it for quite some time now, so... Um, um, I came from a loving home. Like, I, th I thought alcoholics and alcoholism, you know, you had to have... Uh, uh, you had to have trauma, you know, like, you know, like abuse and stuff, and there was nothing like that. I had a really good childhood, a really good home, you know. Other than the, the intense discomfort, we had a lot of fun. You know, I was the oldest of four kids, I was a trail breaker. And my first week, I was 14 years old. It was a grade nine Duchess dance. And uh, my mom always, I had four Mike's Heart Lemonade. My, my mom always volunteered for everything. So a bunch of the girls in my grade nine class asked if uh, mom would drive us out to the, to the dance. I go, yeah, I guarantee mom, mom always does. But they had a whole backpack full of booze in the back. And as we're driving out, I don't know if you remember this, but the bottles were clanking around and they broke in the back of the vehicle, you know, and um, and that was my first taste of alcohol and I had found what I was looking for my entire life. Like, I, I was cool, I was calm, I was dancing with the girls, and I, I always described it as like this magic potion, you know, I, I was who I always wanted to be, I, you know, I was... Um, I could dance, I could talk to the girls, they knew who I was, they punched me in the face every once in a while, but they knew who I was, you know? Um, I, I really, I set out to feel better, I just wanted to feel better, and the truth is that, that alcohol really worked for me, you know? I, um, it was my solution to life, it was my friend, it was my buddy, you know? I, uh, I couldn't imagine life without it. I couldn't imagine life, you know, with it. Um, I, uh, I, uh, oh, I forgot to thank Alanon. Yeah, I love you guys. Thanks for Alanon for coming. Uh, yeah, I, I just love you guys. You know, I, um, I know what it's like to be the train wreck and burn my life to the ground. But I, uh, I don't know what it's like to watch the train wreck, you know, and it's got to be equally as terrifying, you know. Um, although my, my, my first experiences with Al-Anon weren't all that great, I know that my mom had started to go, and then she kept calling the cops on me. Um, I couldn't figure out why Al-Anon had the cops on speed dial, it was just like, man, killing me. You know, but, but it's, it's actions like that, that that saved my butt. You know, I uh, I didn't need a pat on the back. I didn't need a hug to tell me everything was going to be okay. I needed uh, to feel the, the consequences of my actions, and I needed a kick in the ass. Um, so I I uh, I wouldn't recommend recommend my path to sobriety to to anyone. I was uh, in and out for seven years. My first thing. My first meeting was 23, my last drink was 29, so I, uh, I didn't exactly light the world on fire with uh, sobriety, you know, I was in and out, in and out, with the constant dilemma, you know, I, uh, it, was just a, it was just a choice I made, there, there was the big buck thumpers, 
And there was the guys that went to Tim Hortons and made fun of the Big Buck Suckers. And, uh, and I fell in with the guys that made fun of the Big Buck Suckers. We, we would go there. I was unemployed. Well, I was shoveling snow that year, and it was July, so I, I had quite a bit of free time on my hands. Uh, so we would, we would go to Tim Hortons and we look in the day out. We'd make fun of the Big Buck Thumpers and yeah, Troy, and there's a few other ones, you know. And we would say things like, oh, I can't believe that that's so interacting like that, and, you know. And I thought that was sobriety. I thought that's as good as it gets, you know. And uh, I, um, I had no idea, you know. And I, I finally, I suffered enough pain. I was beat into a state of reasonableness. I, I, I began to do what was suggested. For the first time in my life, I, uh, I asked someone for help, you know. I... Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was 16, and I had my first vehicle. I knew nothing about vehicles, but I knew that you had to change the oil in it. I didn't know why, and I knew the gas and oil were separate, but I knew you had to change the oil. And I couldn't ask anyone for help, so I, I didn't know the difference between Imperial and Metro. So I stripped the drain plug on it, and I just, like, I don't know, I tried my best. I don't know, like, if I couldn't perfect something, I wouldn't do it at all, right? So I lent my vehicle to my sister, and she was driving me out to Prairie Oasis Campground, and she heard this ticking noise. My dad checked it out, and he's like, Justin, there's no oil in this. I'm like, oh, whoever stole my oil stripped the drain plug. Like, this is brutal. Like, like, come on, you know, like, I just, I couldn't ask for help. I was filled with this this, this pride, and I, I, I couldn't admit that I had done something wrong, you know. Uh, so that's the attitude that brought into Alcoholics Anonymous. And if there was a moment that, that my life began to change, it was seven years in. And I, again, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. I, I, uh, that first year of sobriety, I asked three good friends in sobriety to take me through the steps. So I did the first three steps three times. Um, and I asked my good friends because I thought they would be soft on me. My, my fragile ego wouldn't be able to, to handle the truth, you know? And, and that first year, like, it was, nah, I don't know, like, I don't know which is worse, like, being a dry drunk or active alcoholism, like, it was, uh, it was a tough year, like, like the, I wasn't crashing cars, and I wasn't creating the outside, the outside destruction, but the internal dilemma was there, you know, I was just so uncomfortable, I was dying, I didn't have my solution, you know, so, um, there was this guy I wanted to ask my sponsor, but I had it in my in my key brain that uh, I had to have a year's sobriety before I could ask this guy to be my sponsor. I don't know why I had it in my head. I didn't tell me, but I had that in my head, but that's what I had in my head. So uh, one year of sobriety, I uh, I asked that guy to be my sponsor, and if I could have took those words out of my mouth and take them back, I, I would have. And... Uh, the truth is, I didn't even really like this guy. He was a grumpy old little guy, and he was always saying stuff to me that, you know, I was like, give me a gut punch. He's like, oh, how's that working out for you? Where are you in the steps? Did you pray this morning? And I'm like, oh, God. And at the end of the day, I wanted what he had, you know? Um, you know, but uh, that's when my life began to change. I, uh, but before that, like I, I ended up, I ended up in this tiny little basement suite. That's where I lived, and I, and I was, I was at my my uh, computer, and I'm, and I'm googling how fast 
Like almost 10 years old to the day, actually. I'm, I'm Googling how fast does the bus have to go to kill you. There was, there was a bus that was outside and it go pretty fast. And I was just trying to fortify the courage to, you know, to create a, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, you know. I, I ended up there and I, I, I couldn't tell you how I got there. And even more terrifying, I... I couldn't tell you how I was going to get out. You know, I, I, I've been there, I tried, I tried AA, you know. I, by that meeting, I went to a lot of meetings, and I'm in a lot. Like, I was on a play ball, and I did like three meetings a day, you know. And, uh, I tried the fellowship. Every time I came back, I did something more than was suggested, you know. Um, they told me to get a sponsor. I got a sponsor, never talked to you. Told me join a home group, joined a home group, never went to it. But every time I came back, I, I just did a little bit more, you know. Um, so, so I ended up there, and I, um, I had seen the miracles in AA, you know. I, I had seen people get sober. I knew it was possible. I just didn't think it was possible for me. I, uh, you know, which is ironic, you know, the last place I want to go is, is, is the one place that, that saves my life, you know, I, um, when I was a kid, you know, kindergarten, grade two, when they ask you what you want to do with your life, you know, I, I did put my hand up and say I'd like to burn my life to the ground and like to puke on my shoes and I'd like to hurt everyone that loves me, you know, but, but uh, there I was and, uh, I, I just, I just didn't see how. So I've almost ten years ago today, I go back to my, uh, my first meeting, and I'm, I'm shaking and I'm trembling, and I don't want to be there, and I just have nowhere else to go. And but this time, I'm going to give the God stuff a try. If there is one word that kept me out of Alcoholics Anonymous, it would be the G O D. It just, I was still. I wasn't an atheist, I was just very attached to what people thought of me, you know, I was still, I was still very concerned with those people I drank with, what they were going to think of me now that I was in church basements drinking crappy coffee and, and talking about God, you know, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to give this God thing, either I'm going 100 miles an hour or I'm like doing nothing at all, so I, uh, I read Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, Sermon on the Mount by a river, and I meditate on the mountain, and I, I, I looked outside of myself for God, and uh, through the process of the steps, I realized that it's an internal job, you know, that God's on the inside, that, that resentment, fear, anger, dishonesty, you know, it, it just blocks me off from God, it blocks me off from the sunlight of the Spirit. I don't, I don't even know where my God looks like all I know is that my life has got better when I start praying and helping others, you know, trust God, clean house, and help others, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple game for a complicated fella, you know, um, simple but not easy. I'm nowhere where I am wanting to be in here, I don't know what it does matter. Um, I, uh, so, it's funny, this morning I saw the triangle in the circle, and those seven years I was in and out, I was pretty sure that triangle meant that I needed to get uh, my truck back on the road, a good job, and a girlfriend. Once I got all three of those, then I could find God. Then I could work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I didn't even think I was being that unreasonable. I was, I was a B-pressure welder. 
and here I am shoveling snow. So I'm like, okay, I'll, like $40 an hour job, I can live with that. Um, I don't need a brand new truck. You know, I, uh, 10 years old will be fine. I don't need Cindy Crawford as a girlfriend, although a certain Crawford-ness would be acceptable, you know? It, it was a real dilemma because I didn't have a job, so I couldn't put gas into a truck that I didn't have to take a girl on a date to buy a steak. It was like, it was a vicious circle, right? So, uh, you know, the last time I come in, I realized that's not going to keep me sober, right? You know, I, uh, the process of the, of the 12 steps, you know, I, uh, I, I just became comfortable with, I just became comfortable. I became comfortable in my own skin. I would hang out after meetings and I wouldn't just like fiddle my, fiddle my keys. And if nobody talked to me, I'd leave, you know, I became an active part of society. I could look you in the eye, I became part of the human race, you know. Um, and, and I realized I didn't need a woman to be happy. And I was like going on dates by myself. I went to movies by myself. I went to Vancouver Island by myself. I went to vacations by myself. And then out of the blue, I'm perfectly content. I'm okay with who I am. This uh, a girl I went to school with texts me and says, would you like to go on a blind date with my friend? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Things are pretty good right now. Can you tell me a little bit more? She's like, uh, well, she has red hair, she's unemployed and lives in her parents' basement. Perfect. Sarah loves it when I bring that up. It just, it just... I'm like, great, you know, I, 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 uh, it was a whirlwind romance. I swept her off of my feet with whatever guys sweet girls off their feet with, probably a broom, I don't know what happened. She, the truth is, the truth of the matter is, she was nearing 30, slim pickings in the hatch, so she set, right? And, uh, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good with it. No, I'm good. Yeah. It was good. We, uh, we were good. You know, she, when I first met her, she didn't know anything about Al-Anon after living with me for a year. She was a full-fledged member. Uh, the, the selfish part of me wants to think that it was me. You know, I drove her to, to Al-Anon. It was all me. Um, the, the truth is, I just went for a friend to help a friend or something like I don't really know the difference between, like, I remember I was talking to Sarah about, about uh, last year there was confusion about a book that wasn't left for Al-Anon or something. I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you just go put a book there? And she's like, well, we have to be asked. I'm like, why? Just go put a book there. And she's like, no, you don't understand. We have to be asked. Why just go put a book there? Like, if it was me, I'd just go put a book there. And I, I think that's the difference. Alcoholics has got this ingrained, just like, I'm just going to do this, ask, you know, say sorry later kind of thing. And Alamon has to be asked. I have learned this. Um, so, so, things are great, you know, married, we've got two boys, I didn't even think life could get this good, you know. Uh, and, and to me, to me, the, the, the cunning, baffling, powerful part of alcoholism is uh, that I think I'm doing okay, you know? Yeah, I got the boys and uh, my wife, and I can't make as many meetings. I'm not working with as many people as I used to. I can't do service because I got to watch the kids on Wednesdays, right? But I think I'm doing okay, you know? Um, the, the first time in my sobriety, I, there, was, there was trouble, there was dilemma, you know, we're not sure what happened. 
I am sure that I moved out, but Sarah finished taking me out. We haven't really figured it out yet. I still say that I moved out. You know? Um, uh, you know, and people in this room, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, not only did the program of Alcoholics, Alcoholics Anonymous save my life and give me a better life than I knew possible, it saved a marriage and two boys get to grow up with their mom and dad, you know? Um, You know, I, uh, I didn't really get into the book and the steps and the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Uh, all I know is it's, it's just been it's just been a wild ride. Sobriety is such a blast. You know, I've been I've been given so much. It feels like um, it feels like I'm living a borrowed time. You know, every day after work, I come home late and I tuck the boys in and then I kiss them on the head and I, I just know that I've won the lottery. You know, I. I I don't got much money, and I feel like I've won the lottery, you know. I, um, I uh, you know, like, there's that part of me, when I was, before, before sobriety, I was uncomfortable, and I was always thought, I always had to be somewhere else, you know. And there's a small part of me, you know, that happens in, in sobriety. I come home, and the, the kids are just wired, you know. I'm tired, and they want to go to the bike park, they want to go for a ride, they want to jump the trampoline, you know. And part of me is like, oh man, remember when I lived in that decent suite and like, I didn't have to worry about any of this, you know? Um, but like this, I, I actually listened to a Chris Raymer tape and he says he takes one minute of thoughtful contemplation, right? So I just think what life's going to be like in 20, 30 years when we come home and there's nobody there and my knee hurts and our hair is gray and there's no kids around to bug us, you know? I'm going to be praying praying to have the, these times again, you know? The trick is, and I haven't really perfected it, is, is to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them, you know? That's, a, that's an Office reference. I, I love The Office. Nobody probably remember what's The Office on Yeah, you know. Um, you know, if I live to be an old, old, old man, something like Lauren Plotsky, <laughs> Is it here for that one? Oh, damn. I can't begin to scratch the interest that I owe to the program of AA for my sobriety. It's just been a wild ride. Uh, I just, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. It's a good gig. With that, I'll, um, I'll pass it on to everybody is probably here to see, anyways. The lady of the hour, she's too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. Therapy. Oh boy. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm a very grateful member of Al Anon. <laughs> So the old me would now be coming up here to correct some of the things that Justin just said. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, thank you to the Roundup Committee for asking me to speak here today. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. When I was told the topic, we are not a glum lot, I thought A would probably be like Al-Anon and have many different pages to read to get a good sense of what I would be speaking about. 
So when I Googled and found where I could find the phrase in the big book, imagine my surprise that there's actually only one sentence that mentions it. But like a well-prepared Alan Honor, I did some research and talked to some AA members to get their take on the subject. I experienced this concept well before attending Al-Anon when observing Justin with his program buddies. They would be swapping stories all while laughing and joking about it. They were hilarious to be around and it was unlike anything I had ever seen considering I came from a very sheltered upbringing where I thought alcoholics were people who lived under bridges and hid in the shadows. I have come to realize that some of the most giving people are in this program, and it's not just because they have to be. The AA friends that I am lucky to know are some of the most honest and solid people. A little bit about my background is, uh, so like I mentioned, I came from a pretty sheltered home. We looked fairly normal and happy on the outside, but inside the home was full of dysfunction. I grew up thinking that controlling and manipulating behavior was a normal part of relationships. My parents argued regularly, and my sister moved away when I was 13, which made me feel like I was left to fend for myself. I had juvenile epilepsy when I was in elementary school, and the type of epilepsy I had made it difficult for me to learn in school. I had to work extra hard to just get mediocre grades. Meanwhile, my sister could hear things once, hear things once, and managed to recite it by memory. This led me to constantly feel not good enough and not wanting to try new things because I thought I wouldn't be good at them. I also started experiencing depression and anxiety before I even got out of junior high. I had low self-esteem, a bad case of perfectionism, and a need to control that carried on into my adulthood. It should be said that I do love my family, and I've come to understand that they did the best they could with what they knew at the time. I entered into my first relationship not knowing that he was an alcoholic. I just thought he liked to drink a lot. I had a set of characteristics that I thought were normal and essential for maintaining my relationship. I now know these characteristics to be called the four M's from our Al-Anon literature martyrdom, managing, manipulating, and mothering. I'm sure you can guess how well that first relationship went. Funny thing is that when I came into Al-Anon and I reflected on that relationship, I felt horrible and thought, geez, that poor guy. I was just terrible. He must have been miserable. So I moved away for work in a relationship for a couple of years. And after that relationship ended, I moved back home here. I was single for a while, and had gotten to a point where I was enjoying being on my own. And I didn't feel like I needed a partner to be happy. I met my husband, Justin, on a blind date in 2015, and he seemed like a pretty nice guy. Early into our relationship, he told me that he was an alcoholic, and that way he was in Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know what alcoholics were, or what AA was before meeting Justin, but I could tell he was a good person, and that made me want to learn more about the secret society that I didn't know existed prior to this day. I went to my first AA roundup in 2015, where Justin was invited to be a speaker. It was my first AA event, and it was a bit overwhelming, 
as I was still in the process of figuring out how AA worked. I was exposed to Al-Anon that weekend, but since Justin was in the recovery, I didn't think I needed Al-Anon. In October 2016, I went to my first Al-Anon meeting, like most of us do, to try and find a solution to someone else's problem. I went to support a family member with her alcoholic, and I figured if I went to Al-Anon meeting with her, then she could figure out her life like I think it should be. The ironic thing is that when she stopped going after two or three meetings, I already had a feeling I belonged in Al-Anon. I could relate to what members were sharing, and I still had a dysfunctional relationship with my family. I was completely enmeshed with my members of my family, which basically meant when one person had an issue, it was everybody's issue. And at that time, I still had a general idea how to be in a healthy relationship with Justin. I figured if I could keep the controlling to a minimum, or at least have it at a level that didn't seem like nagging, then things would be good. But in those first few meetings, I got a glimpse of what serenity could look like, and I decided that I wanted that too. I may not have grown up in an alcoholic home, but the dysfunction I had experienced left me with all the same character defects as if I had. When I was first working my steps, I realized that I still had a long way to go in the self-worth department. Uh, when I was working my step four, to give you a sense of where I was at, my sponsor asked me a question from our step four workbook. It said, what do you like and not like about your physical appearance? And I half jokingly replied, okay, so for the not like part, do you want me to start on my head or my feet? <laughs> Slowly, by working through the steps and by using Al-Anon tools and slogans, I build my self-confidence and self-esteem up to a level where I am liking the person I have become. I try to focus more on my progress rather than perfection, and I try to give myself credit where credit is due. I'm grateful that my sister was patient with me in the program, because the one time she was telling me something, she was venting, and I actually had to tell her I was practicing this new thing I learned called detaching with love, and I couldn't listen to what she had to say at the time. She gave me the space to realize that I wanted to be strong enough to listen to other people's problems without taking them on myself. After a while, my practice of detaching with love had paid off, and I was getting good at listening and then letting go and letting God take care of whatever I heard. I've since successfully detached from my family dysfunction and have a great relationship with them. They haven't changed a bit, but I have, and my Al-Anon set of tools allows the relationships to work. I'm also, I was also very distant with my higher power when I came into the program. I was raised in a religious home, but I no longer had a connection with that God. While the process was slow for me, the program gave me the opportunity to define a higher power of my own understanding and find comfort in it. 
What I really appreciated at the time was that my program didn't require me to have a relationship with my higher power right away. I was able to make the decision to build a relationship and work towards it. My higher power used to be the last thing I would try to find some serenity in a situation, but now is among the first things I turn to. Reminding myself what is my will versus God will has stopped me from taking control on a number of occasions, and I'm extremely grateful for that. One of the earliest tools I remember using and still use today is the serenity prayer. It has been a staple for me throughout my program. I use it in many ways, like reminding myself of what I can and cannot control. I use and when I work on releasing a character defect I no longer want, when I can't find peace at night, and when I need a little extra patience with my three, I mean, two boys. <laughs> Another thing I had to learn is that no is a complete sentence. I used to be a huge people pleaser, and if I couldn't do something, I needed to explain in elaborate detail why I wasn't able to do it. Now, if I'm able to do something, I have the confidence to keep my response short, and I don't find the need to explain myself in great detail. This is one of the many ways I try to keep it simple. Before Alamon, I used to think my relationship with Justin was good, but it was nothing compared to how it was after I started working my program. I've learned about alcoholism and the characteristics associated with it, which has enabled me to have more compassion and understanding. Our communication has improved because I am able to use the tools I have learned instead of using the unhealthy behavior I defaulted to, like jumping to conclusions, trying to control, or being resentful. My program has given me a great understanding of alcoholism that has allowed me to completely accept him for who he is. I had always heard the phrase that alcoholism is cunning and baffling, but I never experienced it until a year and a half ago. Life had gotten busy for us with having two busy boys and Justin's schedule changed and he wasn't making very many meetings. He seemed okay, but things weren't as good as they could be. His personality didn't change overnight, but at the same time, the change seemed to come out of nowhere. I had always thought that a blip in his program would look like him having another drink, so it was hard for me to process when it came out of his deception and slight changes to his personality due to his character defects. At this time in my life, my senses were on high alert. I was paranoid. I felt the need to control, and I was trying to hold on tight to something I felt like slipping away. Even though I was in my own sanity, I'd been in Al-Anon long enough to realize that whatever he was going through was because of his alcoholism. I had to remind myself of the three C's. I didn't cause it, I can't cure it, and I can't control it. I thankfully worked on fear of abandonment with my sponsor just before kicking Justin out. I had gained enough confidence and courage to not accept the unacceptable behavior anymore, but I knew he was still in there somewhere. 
and I gave him the space to figure his stuff out and come back to me. I'm very grateful for my sponsor and my higher power for guiding me through that time. I'm not sure what would have happened if I didn't wear my program as hard as I did, but I expect I wouldn't be seeing here with you all today with him. It was the most difficult thing I had ever done in my life. And that's saying quite a bit, because I've had two kids. And I don't regret a second of it. It has made me a stronger person, stronger than I ever imagined I could be. It made me understand my self-worth and what I will and will not accept in the future. We are now stronger than we ever have been and are able to communicate on a level that is so much deeper than before. I'm extremely proud of myself for the work I put into my program and into this relationship. It wasn't easy, but nothing worth doing ever is. I keep coming back to Eleanor for so many reasons besides my own serenity. We have two beautiful boys, and we can already see ourselves in them. Justin and I joke that either one or both of them are going to either be an alcoholic or have some mental health issues, so we better save up some money for therapy. <laughs> but I'm a better mom when I'm working in my program. I try to control them less. I let them make their own mistakes, mistakes I was never allowed to make when I was young. And I want to be a person they can come to in the future with no judgment staring back at them. I want to give them the confidence that I never had and make sure they feel like they can try anything without the feel of failure. Life is so fulfilling now. We are happy and our boys are happy. I think one of the best ways we enjoy our lives is to laugh. Whether it's laughing at a joke I finally get after Justin has explained it to me, <laughs> laughing at our mistakes, or reminiscing about our hardest times with humor, like who actually kicked you out. Today I can say that I am very, uh, that I am very grateful for my alcoholic and all of the gifts he has given me, even the ones that hurt along the way. I am also very grateful for everyone here today, and I would like to leave with you a quote from the Al-Anon book, Paths to Recovery, that I believe sums up why we keep coming back. We keep working our program as if the quality of our lives depends on it, and it does. Thank you.